0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to the Hail Maryland podcast. I'm Vroon Shunker. I'm Jacob Steinberg. And we're here to preview Maryland's week one matchup against Northwestern, the Terrapins, starting their season off against the Wildcats. But before we get to that, I want to do some housekeeping. First off, I'd like to give a shout out to Kai Smith, devoted listener from Hawaii, who told us that we were actually pronouncing uh, what could be the starting quarterback's name wrong. It's not Talia, apparently. It's Talia which is, you know, something good to know, like ow isn't like when you hurt yourself is how he explained it to me. So that's good to know. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Sushant Kundal, who gave a great review and share the podcast with some of his friends. Guys, we were looking at me and Jacob were actually talking about this right before the show. We were looking at the numbers and we love the support we're getting. So please go rate, review and share the podcast. And here's the thing. If you leave a five-star review and add in a question that you'd like us to answer, we will read the review on the air if appropriate, obviously. So please uh, give a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll shout you out and answer any questions you might have. Uh, we really appreciate all the support we've been getting. So we're, we really want to make this a really special season for all of us. All right, let's get to some news and nuggets. Let's start with a returning offensive lineman, Austin Fontaine, a right guard from last year, started six games, has decided to opt back into the season. Jacob, what is this going to mean for the Terps this year? It's going to be huge for
1: them. Obviously Austin's not going to be starting in the season opener, probably early on in the season. But one of the biggest questions for this Terrapins team is their offensive line. They have four uh, bona fide starters, but they have Jahar. Branch, a Juco transfer starting at left guard. So, potentially, after a couple of weeks, if he's struggling, I'm not saying that he's going to struggle, but Austin Fontaine could slide in there and give the Terps so much needed depth because as we talked about in the last episode offensive line is one of those positions especially in this COVID season where depth is paramount and also where you can rush development so fontaine's addition is definitely going to be a big addition for coach Loxley and this offense
0: yeah like, like like we were saying we were talking about how even if the starting group for the terps is really really solid the question is if injuries and other things start to build up over the year how can this offensive line that has a lot of inexperienced backups deal with the attrition. And so, you know, I think Fontaine just solid play on the offensive line is important. And a guy who's a guy with a little bit of experience is important. So him coming in, I think as a junior or senior, I believe Austin is a junior, right? So him coming in as a junior is just absolutely huge there um, for injuries. As to, as to injuries for Saturday's game, coach Loxley said there's no major injuries in camp. So the Terps should be rolling out there you know, their ideal lineup. Right. And so talking about lineup, we got a depth chart, Jacob, you know, they sent us a depth chart and obviously take some of these things with a grain of salt. But I think it is important to look at, you know, what some important things we saw in the depth chart. One thing, they did not name a starting quarterback yet. Loxley has said that he knows who the starter is, but has not decided on it yet. And You know, if you're giving your guess right now, last week we said Talia. Who are you saying this week?
1: Yeah, I'm keeping the same guess. I mean, Coach Loxley told us how he didn't want uh, to give Northwestern. He wanted to maintain that competitive advantage, so he decided to not announce the starter. He has another availability tomorrow evening, so we'll see after their Thursday practice whether he decides... I would be shocked if he announced it. I think it's just going to be until 730 on Saturday. We're going to be guessing, but I I'm sticking with my pick from last week. I think it's going to be Talia. He met with both quarterbacks, both together and individually to ensure that anything that either of them wanted to say was aired out and that anybody had the opportunity to speak on their own behalf, which I commend Coach Loxley for, because it's obviously not an easy decision and an easy thing to digest for the quarterback that's not going to be starting. But if I had to guess right now, I'm going to say it's Talia.
0: I'm guessing it's Talia, right? Like we obviously we haven't been able to watch practice. But based on the pedigree of both quarterbacks, I just have a feeling my gut tells me it's going to be Talia. And obviously, we'll see when the game starts. And one thing that I found kind of interesting and kind of weird almost is that Loxie said that he expects both quarterbacks to play this year
1: I'm not necessarily as shocked by this because I think as you've seen as coach Loxie referenced when he was at Alabama and had the fortune of having both Jalen Hurts and Tua two extremely talented quarterbacks I think that It wouldn't shock me, assuming that we are both correct and Talia is the starter. I think that there could definitely be some packages in there where they have Lance, some sub packages where maybe he's out of the wildcat or maybe they have both quarterbacks on the field at the same time with Lance motioned out wide just to give the defense another element. But I don't think that we'll see that until probably a couple games into the season. I think whichever of the two is the starting quarterback, they're going to be the sole focus of the offense for the first couple games. And then maybe after that, Coach Loxley and Scotty Montgomery might try and mix in some sub- mix in some sub packages and get some of the opposing defenses guessing a little bit.
0: All right. Some other noteworthy things for the depth chart. Rakeem Jarrett was the fourth wide receiver behind Jayshon Jones, Dante Demas and Brian Cobbs, who's going to be in the slot. So I don't think that's really a surprise. You know, he's still a freshman and I think they're still going to get him on the field. You're going to see a lot of four receiver looks, but I just thought it was interesting to see that he's behind the established veterans still showing that, you know, Loxie's kind of got the, the old guys get to go first a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I think you said it well. I agree with you. I think Rakeem's still going to be able to play plenty, but I don't, I'm not necessarily too surprised that they listed him as the fourth receiver. The, the thing on the depth chart that was the most interesting to me was looking at the secondary. Nick Cross was the only bona fide starter listed, listed excuse me. If you look at the cornerbacks, all four of them, Jacorian Bennett, Kenny Bennett, Deontay Banks, and Tarheeb still were all listed as or, which means on the depth chart that There's no uh, identified starter. Both guys are still competing for the job. So I thought that was really interesting. But I also, it makes sense because Nick Cross is the guy in that secondary who has the most experience besides Antoine Richardson, who produced the most last year. So it makes sense that he's the one bona fide starter in the group. But I think that these cornerbacks are going to rotate a lot because if Maryland's defense is going to want to surprise some people and play better than people anticipate this year, the cornerback group is definitely going to be big playing against some of the opposing high octane offenses that they face like Penn State and Ohio State.
0: Yeah, one thing that kind of surprised me was Shaq Smith moving down so uh Loxie said they moved him to inside linebacker and because of that they felt that he was a little bit more equipped to be they they put him behind a couple guys. Loxie said he was still going to play but you know, he's now behind uh I mean he's they're saying that he's uh, battling for that backup spot with Ruben Hippolyte the 2nd for the freshman. so I'm not saying it's something to look out for, but Shaq Smith was a guy that I think you pointed out earlier in the year that could be an impact player for this defense, so interested to see that he's not a starter, at least on the first depth chart, which, of course, you know, long way to go for the season, but I, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, the other
1: th- interesting thing that I found about the depth chart is Jake Funk being listed as the lone starter at running back. Jake spoke to... Us in the media yesterday, and he talked about coming off his two torn ACLs, how he feels both stronger, faster, and he feels like he's in the best shape of his life. And Coach Loxley has talked glowingly about Funk all offseason, talked about what a great leader he's been. He said how he's uh, found a niche for himself on the team as both a ball carrier and a leader. So I think I'm really intrigued to see how Jake Funk plays in this week one matchup against the Wildcats and see how he takes that first hit and makes that first jump cut, giving the Knee issues that he's had in the past.
0: Right. This is the first time, you know, Saturday is going to be the first time that we're going to be able to see any of these guys play except for the guys that were here last year. So, you know, if we're looking at Taulia, Jake Funk, Jay Sean Jones, Rakeem Jarrett, these are guys that we haven't seen play yet. So I'm really excited to see, you know, if the potential that we've heard about through practices and, you know, a lot of that can be coach beat, but some of that does have some truth to it. So I'm interested in seeing where that is with that, with that, let's get to our three keys to the game. Jacob, what's your first key for Maryland winning this game? My first key for
1: Maryland winning this game is very simple starting out fast. The Terps have won 10 season openers in a row, which is the fifth longest streak in the country. And granted a lot of those games have been against non power five opponents, but still they beat Texas twice in a row, which you certainly cannot dismiss. And if Maryland's going to want to keep that trend going, they got to start out fast. It's been 10 months since they played, or it's going to be over 10 months now since they played their last game in full pads, they got to come out energized. And with so many young guys, it's going to be really important for them to come out fast, whether they're on offense, driving down and scoring a touchdown or kicking a field goal, or whether they start on defense and getting a big stand to start the game. Regardless, I think if Maryland starts out fast, it's going to set the tone for the rest of the game and is going to go a long way if they're going to win this matchup on Saturday night.
0: Right. So later in the show, I have I talked to two daily Northwestern writers, Andrew Golden and Peter Warren. It was a great, great chat. I learned a lot about the team and it's going to be really informative for Maryland fans. But one thing they talked about was they also talked about the importance for Maryland to start fast if they wanted to get in this game, because Northwestern was a team last year that had a lot of their mistakes compound on each other. So if you start fast, you could really get into for psyche and take them away from their game plan, make them pass a lot more and put their quarterback in some disadvantaged situations. And that leads me... To my first key to the game. Will the Maryland pass rush be able to keep a new Northwestern quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, under pressure and keep him from, you know, playing really well? I mean, because listen. Peyton Ramsey is really good. Like, you know, he, he was a guy last year, Indiana, weighed eight and five and he quarterbacked for them last year. He threw for about 2,400 yards, 13 touchdowns and five picks. Those are incredible numbers. But when you watched him play, you saw a guy that when he had a clean pocket and when he had time to throw, he was really accurate. He was making right decisions. He was making smart decisions. Maryland's got a pressure. Him. He's not played in a while. It's a new system. It's a new quarterback. He's got a lot of things to get used to you got to make him feel uncomfortable really early. I don't know if Maryland can do that just because of their personnel and, you know, the kind of pass rushers they have or lack thereof. But if they're able to maybe send send people some blitzes, get him off balance, you don't want him to be really calm and just pick you apart from back there. You want to make this guy, even though he's a pretty experienced quarterback, you want to send some nice blitzes after him and hopefully force him into a couple of big mistakes.
1: Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue into my second key for the game. My second key for the game was not not slowing down Peyton Ramsey, just very simple. I mean, like you said, he's an excellent quarterback. So they're not going to be able to completely shut him down. But not only as you referenced, Varun, did Peyton Ramsey throw for 13 touchdowns last year, but he also rushed for 250 yards and seven touchdowns. So he's a dual threat quarterback. When he escapes the pocket, he can make plays, he can run, he can find his receivers. So For me, in addition to keeping pressure on him, Maryland throughout the game is going to have to have a spy on him. They're going to have to keep contained. They're going to have to maintain the edge and stay in their gaps, which I'm sure is something that defensive coordinator John Hoke has talked a lot about this week. And if Peyton Ramsey is able to escape the pocket and make plays, it's definitely going to be a long night for
0: Maryland's defense. Yeah. One thing I saw from Ramsey, he's not maybe like a huge, big play threat in the mold of a Lamar Jackson, but what he is is a red zone weapon with his running ability. You see this a lot with guys like Cam Newton in the NFL, and I'm not obviously comparing the two, but what it is is football is a numbers game, very simply, right? So normally when you run the ball, it's 10 on 11. The offense has 10 guys because the quarterback's not throwing a block, right? And so the running back is going against 11 defenders. But now when you have the run, the quarterback as a guy who's running the ball – you have 11 guys. It's 11 on 11. And because of that, you get some really good advantages. That's why the wildcat is so uh, effective in some situations. That's why in the red zone, you see stuff like QB power being used to the effect of scoring a lot of touchdowns. And so that's where I think in short yardage situations, you're really going to see uh, Peyton Ramsey's ability shine through. So that's something that Maryland has to look up for. My next key is Riley lease is a pretty good wide receiver. He had 430 yards last year with really horrific quarterback play last year, uh, Northwestern's quarterback, quarterbacks were really really bad. Six touchdowns, 15 picks for four guys combined. But Riley Lee still had 5, five 430 yards. How is this unproven Maryland secondary? You talked about how other than Nick Cross there isn't an established starter. How are they going to handle Riley Lee and another guy that uh Northwestern coaches have been rallying, uh, raving about, uh Malik Washington? How is this secondary going to deal with them? Are they going to double them? Are they going to do some exotic coverages or is it just going to be Nick cross? You've got him travel across the field because Nick cross is the most established member of the secondary. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they really have to make sure they limit this passing game.
1: Yeah, definitely. Limiting Northwestern's passing game is definitely going to be key because as you, as you mess, as you reference, excuse me, both of those guys are definitely have the ability to create explosive plays, but I think uh, Nick cross alongside, I think the other starter at safety is going to end up being Antoine Richardson, the veteran, uh, senior who tore his ACL last year. I think he's itching to get back out on the field. And I think he's going to be a big addition for them. But transitioning to my third and final key for the game is another very simple one. Win the, win the, win the battle in situational football, win in the red zone and win on third down efficiency. Coach Loxley talked about how when evaluating both quarterbacks early on this year, he had something, what was called a drive metric chart. And one of the big things that him and the other coaching staff looked like, looked at on that chart, excuse me, was third down efficiency. And the quarterback that was more efficient on third down was really important for the coaching staff, because as we know, as football fans, converting on third down is extremely important. It keeps drives alive. And last year the Terps only converted on 32% of their third down opportunities. And if they want to beat Northwestern, they're going to be able to need to convert on more of those and continuing on conversely on the defensive side of the ball last year offenses were able to convert 43% of their third down opportunity. So this Terps defense is going to need to be stout on third down and make sure that they're able to get off the field because of the two units on this Terps roster, their offense is definitely more of a strength than the defense. So the Terps are going to want to have the ball in the offense's hands as much as possible. And then finally, is just red zone efficiency. The Terps scored touchdowns on sixty percent of their red zone drives last year, on twenty one of thirty five trips, which is a pretty solid efficiency. And if they're going to want to win this game, they're going to need to score touchdowns. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to kick field goals. They're going to need to score seven points on their drives consistently because, as we just talked about, Peyton Ramsey and this wildcat offense is explosive, and if Maryland is out there kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns and leaving points out on the board, excuse me, it's going to be tough for them to get a win in Evanston Saturday night.
0: My last key to the game, the offensive line has to give Talia or Lance time to find their weapons. No quarterback is going to be good if they're lying on their back after every play. And this is a game where you have that offensive line that's been able to work together for the entire season so far you've got you know you've got three pretty established starters i'd say in marcus minor johnny jordan and jalen duncan the other two guys are going to slot in around them and they have some chemistry now you need to have a good start to this year and make sure that northwestern's not able to get into the backfield to make tackles for loss or sack and pressure the quarterback good thing is northwestern doesn't have their best sack guy from last year joe gaziano has graduated he's playing for uh, the la chargers right now he had nine sacks last year You've got weapons up and down this Maryland team. We just talked about it. A five-star recruit in Rakeem Jarrett is the fourth string receiver. That's great. It doesn't matter if your quarterback doesn't have time to deliver the ball. So get the ball out of Talia's hands or Lance's hands quickly. You've got a healthy O-line. Take advantage of it. Put some points on the board. Keep your quarterback's confidence up and keep his ability – just keep his ability to move the offense and keep it on schedule up. All right, uh, now we're gonna go to our game score and stat predictions. Jacob, who's gonna win this game?
1: I'm gonna take the Terps in this one. I think it's gonna be a little bit of an offensive shootout. I have Maryland with a 31 to 27 victory over the Wildcats for the program's first ever victory in Evanston, Illinois, as it is, as Saturday night will be their first time traveling to Evanston. I think that the reason I think it's going to be a shootout is as we talked about in our preview episode before the season, Offenses definitely had a leg up on defenses before camp started considering that defenses hadn't tackled in so long. And I think that that's probably going to carry over into week one. I think that whether Talia or Lance, I think they're going to be able to make big plays against this Northwestern defense. I think conversely, I think Peyton Ramsey and the Wildcat offense are going to be able to convert some big and explosive plays against this Maryland defense. However, I think that Maryland is going to be able to capitalize on more of those explosive plays. And I think the Terps are going to win on a late fourth quarter touchdown. As I said, 31, 27 Terps in this one. Who do you have?
0: I wrote down 28, 24 Maryland before I got in here. And then I talked to the guys from Northwestern and the way they talked about this team, it looked like there was some, I think I may have underestimated them. I'm still going to go with the Terps, but I'm going to make it really close. It's going to be 28, 27. And I'm going to say, like you, I think this is going to be a pretty offensive game. I think you both these teams have new quarterbacks coming in. Uh, they've got Ramsey here, it's going to be Taulia or Lance. Lance is not really a new quarterback, but in the sense that he didn't play much last year, he is. They have good weapons on both sides. I think the advantage for the Turps is Northwestern's coming in with a brand new offensive coordinator and Mike Bajakian. And I think that he's going to take a little bit more time to adjust. It's a new system. This is the first time Pat Fitzgerald has hired a new offensive coordinator or any coordinator in general since 2008. So I think that there's going to be a bit of an adjustment process, maybe for a game or two. And I think the abbreviated practice time, although it's going to take more time for defenses to adjust, then offenses, I think that since they're working on a new offense, this is the worst year to be working on a new offense. So I think the familiarity the Terps have is going to get them barely get through for this first one, which is, I think this is going to be a pretty big one. You know, you have one big 10 win under your belt. I think this is a pretty big game for the Terps, even though it's the first game.
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's definitely a big game. The first game of every season is a tone setter. Obviously, this is an abbreviated eight-game season. So not that every game doesn't matter in the prior 12-game seasons, but every game especially matters now. And if you look at the betting odds for this game, Northwestern is an 11-point favorite over the Terps, which surprised me. I'm not sure if that surprises you, Varun. So I don't know whether we're underestimating the Wildcats or whether people out there are overestimating them, but I agree with you. I definitely think it's going to be a really good game in Evanston on Saturday night. It's a night game under the lights. Both teams are going to be amped up to get out there uh, for the first time in almost a year, and I'm really excited to watch it, and I know you are as well.
0: For sure. Uh, Let's give our stat predictions. I've got Talia throwing for more than two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I think that Jayshon Jones is going to catch at least one touchdown in this game. I've I've touted him on our previous podcast, and I, I can't emphasize enough how crucial I think he's going to be for this Maryland offense. And another prediction that I want to make is, I don't know how many rushing yards they are going to finish with, but I think this Maryland rushing attack is going to surprise some people. And I think that they are going to have more success on Saturday night than people may be anticipating entering this season.
0: For sure. Uh, before we go, I know that you are obviously the news director for WMC Sports. You want to give a quick preview of what we're going to be doing for this football season in terms of content what people should be looking out for?
1: Yeah, 100%. So unfortunately, given the COVID pandemic right now, only one person from our from our organization is allowed in terms of our writing side is allowed to be at the game so I will be covering all of our home games in person I will be live tweeting them and we will have two broadcasters there as well I know throughout the game even though he won't be at the stadium Varun will be tweeting out some analysis as well and before each game we're going to have some sort of preview or analytical piece that comes out in addition to this podcast and then in addition after the game we're going to have a gamer, which recaps the biggest plays in the game. And we're also going to have some of our biggest takeaways from the game and just analyze the game as a whole. And that's going to be throughout the season for each game. So definitely make sure to look out for that content on our Twitter at WMUC sports on my Twitter at Jacob Stein 23 and I'll let Varun plug his social media as well.
0: Yeah. You can follow me at by or you can find all this content at WMCSports.net uh, you can find everything that we're writing throughout the year. Uh, Jacob's been writing some great stuff. Talked with Frank Isola and Tim Kirkjian, both guys at ESPN. Uh, we're going to throw it over now to my Behind Enemy line segment with Andrew Golden and Peter Warren of the Daily Northwestern. Thank you so much. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast wherever you are. Now, here's my conversation with Andrew and Peter. I'm joined now by Peter Warren and Andrew Golden, football editors at the Daily Northwestern. Guys, how's it feel to be here? The first guest in Hail Maryland history.
2: So it feels pretty good. I'm glad to be here. Glad to uh, to get started and talk, talk to you guys about the uh, football.
3: I'm usually not first in anything, so to be the first on this <laughs> show just gets me fired up for a great game this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't think that we would get any football at all this year, right? So I think everything is kind of like a bonus. How did you guys react when you found out that the Big Ten was coming back and that you guys actually had, you know, like jobs as football, football writers this year.
2: It felt pretty good. I mean, I mean, we're, we're both seniors. So I think it's something that we were looking forward to is covering football in our final year. And then when it got canceled, like, obviously we understood the concerns, the health concerns, but, you know, selfishly a little bit, I was like, dang, we can't cover football one more time. So, um, you know, glad for it to be back. Glad to get, that we're getting a chance to cover it. Hopefully, you know, people will be safe and follow the protocols and make sure that, you know, like, you know, a, a, as, as a team, they're being safe, but I'm, just, I'm excited to be back covering it.
3: You know, if you want, if I remember this correctly, it was the news came out September 16th. Season was coming back. That was Northwestern's first day of school. And if I remember correctly, Andrew did not have class that day. So he slept in. So I remember texting him in, in, our, in our group chat of little football people saying, you know, obviously we're talking about it. And he's just asleep. You know, we live in the same house. He's upstairs. on am below him. So it's like 1030. He finally gets up. He, he runs out to me. and He's like, wait, the season's back. And it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, you sort of heard the rumblings coming, but for it to actually happen, I know, I know, you know, Andrew, that moment now we're all just, you know, there's still a lot of question marks, obviously, regarding a lot of things, but I think we're just happy to hopefully see some good, some good football this fall.
0: I I can't confirm that story is true. I will say that. So. (laughs) All right. So let's start talking with uh, Northwestern. The most important position on any football field is obviously the quarterback. And last year, I mean, Northwestern's quarterback situation was atrocious right i mean they they had four guys play and they combined for six touchdowns and 15 picks now you've got uh this guy peyton ramsey come in what 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 do you expect from him from what you've seen from him at indiana and what kind of play style do you think he's going to bring to this team andrew and then peter uh i expect
2: for peyton to kind of be a a, ga- a game manager Um, somebody who comes in and just just provides consistency. I mean, I I think game manager can sometimes have like a negative connotation where like, you know, they're not actually a a great quarterback. I think that Peyton Ramsey can still be a really, really good quarterback. I just think ultimately what Northwestern needs is a consistent guy who's going to move the ball down the field and not turn the ball over. And that was the issue last year. We couldn't move the ball down the field and couldn't um, stop turning the ball over and it became a problem. So I think Peyton Ramsey is going to bring some consistency. He came from Indiana where they were eight and five. He was splitting time as a quarterback this time, all, all on his own. I think he'll have the ability to uh, give Northwestern like a, a consistent option at quarterback. That's the, re- that's the that's the bottom line.
3: Andrew makes a lot of good points there. Northwestern really needs a game manager. You know, you mentioned all the stats from before. Last season's quarterback play was not good, and injuries played a part into that. Definitely, Hunter Johnson got hurt. T.J. Green was hurt at the start of year. And you, just, you want Payne Ramsey to really be that game manager. But I think you also, as a season progresses, so maybe not for this upcoming game with Maryland, you want to see a lot more of the big playability, something that Northwestern, you know, you looked at the offense last year, there was a lot of a lot of problems, a lot of things that didn't go right. And the big playability was really something that lost in some of the games that, you know, were close a Purdue game where you just were in a brass game where you just nothing big down the field. And that's not all from the quarterback position, you know, you got to add some big runs as well. But I look for Peyton as he gets more used to the offense, we're used to playing in Northwestern system, you know, during as games go on. I want to see more of that big play ability to build upon that game manager and show that he was the all-big-time all, all big Ten honorable mention of talent he was last year.
0: So you guys talked about how the offense was changing. So the team is working in a new offensive coordinator in Mike Bajakian. Am I saying that right? Bajakian? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so Bajakian's coming in. What was Pat Fitzgerald's offense like in the past, and what do you expect from it now? Because this isn't a guy that made that has made a lot of changes. I think this is this is his first coordinator hire since two thousand and eight. So, what prompted the change, and what do you expect to change in the offense?
2: Well, Pat Pat Fitzgerald's always been always been a a loyal like he's always been loyal to his previous coordinator. Um, But I think last year, just in terms of the offense, it wasn't really. It 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 was it wasn't flowing, it wasn't moving well. They had Clayton Thorson, um, who was a quarterback for Northwestern for four years. I think he knew the offense. Um, then when he graduated last year and it was the first year without him. Um, the offense has been, we heard was pretty complicated to 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 kind of master and get 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 grips of. And I think that's why you saw some of the struggles that you saw last year. Um, so I think that this year it's a it's it's an offense where the goal is to get the ball in playmakers' hands, to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand to playmaker's hands. So I think you're gonna see more of that this year. Northwestern spraying the well, spraying the ball around.
3: Yeah, Mick McCall was the previous offense coordinator for over a decade. You know, he had a really great start, but as the years went on, especially the last four to five years, the offense, there was no sort of just, it was so predictable. You could predict a run on first down, a run on second down, you know, a crossing right on third down. It became where even like fans who, you know, maybe I've not watched every game, could sort of like, be like, oh, uh, we know what's coming. And if you, if fans knew that, you know, you know, players and coaches on the team are going to figure it out really quickly. And also just, you know, there's needs something, a kick of something. I don't know if it was complacency on the offensive side of the ball, but you know, in a lot of you know, in a lot of different ways of life, people need, you know, a new challenge, something new, just mix it up. And I think that's ended up what really happened at Northwestern, just the offense got slow, got predictable, it just not, the the meshing that happened at the beginning of Mick McCall's career just stopped. And what makes Mike Bajakian so fascinating is that he is a guy who will build systems around the talent he has and not necessarily bring in, be like, we're going with my, you know, X, Y, and Z and we're not changing it. No, he's gonna look at the offense and look at Northwestern's offense, which is the way he did at Boston College, what he did at Cincinnati, what he did at Tennessee, and build around the players that those teams have. For example, last year at Boston College, they had a a, a great running back in AJ Dillon, and they had some also quarterback issues with a couple of injuries and just sort of inconsistency. So it was a heavy run game, you know, two tight end sets, really trying to run the ball down down people's throats. And now for this team, of course, it'll be fascinating to see what they do. We already know they're gonna be up tempo. You know, they've, you know, there's gonna be a three wide outs, one tight end, one running back. That's gonna be the, the main set. But it's gonna be interesting to see what else, what else do we see? Is there gonna be a lot of, you know, base two sets where there's gonna be two tight ends and two wide receivers? Is there gonna be a lot of four wide receivers or a tight end playing out in a slot? it's going to be really interesting, especially, you know, in this game against Maryland. To see, because there's a lot of unknowns, you know, we know Payne, we know the starters, but we don't really know how they're going to run. You know, it's going to be a lot of inside runs, outside runs. It's really going to be fascinating to see what happens on game day.
0: So you guys don't know, and obviously this has been a year where Northwestern's gone under a lot of change, new quarterback, new OC. It's also a year where you've had less practice time than ever. How do you think the adjustment that's going to come with a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback is going to be affected by the limited practice time?
3: You know, you make a great point there. And here's something, even to note, Payne Ramsey never was able to step on, on Northwestern's campus until, you know, after everything happened, he was, he had one single class left in Indiana. He had to finish where he was pretty much, I believe TAing in elementary school or, or a middle school class to help get his, you know, his, his degree. in, I believe education. So he wasn't even, you know, when he committed, you know, he committed in, I believe March, he wasn't even on campus until everything started happening. Now he had made some trips up, you know, do some throwing patterns with Riley Lees and some other, some of the other guys on campus, but he wasn't really, you know, getting into the entire system until the summer. And so that's obviously a little bit of a challenge. He's clearly stepped up. And I think the interesting thing is that, you know, everybody on the entire team is pretty much in the same situation with this offense. You know, it's not like previous years where your seniors, your your graduate your graduate students who have four or five years of experience in, in, in the offense and know it, you know, like like the back of their hand. Everybody's sort of figuring out on their own, figuring out, at, you know, at the same time. So I think that's sort of going to actually help with such a, an expedited process where it's like, everybody's going to be pretty much on the same page. Some will be a little ahead, some will be a little behind, but you're going to be these wide varieties you'd see in most years. So I think that's actually going to that help compared to what might've been before.
2: The, the one thing I will say that I'm interested to see on Saturdays, how the offensive line will look. Cause there's been a, there's been a lot of shifting on the offensive line. The Northwestern starting center on the depth chart was the guard last year. Um, their, their right guard was a tackle last year. Um, and their left tackle was going to be a true freshman, a four-star recruit, four-star recruit, Peter Skaronsky. Um, highly talented recruit, like like from from the Chicago, from like the Illinois area. Um, but again, like they they're kind of shifting around positions, and there's been a lot of a lot of changes. And how will they adapt to those new positions? And how will they flow as, a, as an offensive line? Um, I'm fascinated to see how that will look. Um, and, and, and like just given they had limited time to play together without without you know the training camps or like the full the full summer camps and that whole thing. I'm fascinated to see how that how they're gonna look as an offensive line um against Maryland defensively.
0: Yeah, I mean offensive line, especially is such a position where chemistry is so important, right? It's it's a five-man unit that has to work and use in to pick up stunts and twists and anything the D-line is putting on, especially like blitzes. And so with the new quarterback back there, I'm real I think that that's something that Maryland uh, defensively at least, needs to try and attack. Uh, there were some opt-outs for this team. You had senior defensive end Sam Dup-Miller, senior quarterback Aiden Smith, senior safety Travis Willock, and redshirt sophomore tight end Jason Whitaker. What, if any of those opt-outs could have an impact on this game and the season? Were any of those guys projected to be starters or in key roles for this year?
2: Yeah, tra- Travis Willock um, was, he and JR Pace, who's the other safety, the two of them have been like a tandem tandem in the in the back of that secondary um, for the past year. The past two years, I want to say, and and, and, and they, they've been really productive. Um, so without Willock, there's definitely going to be a little bit of a, of a learning curve um, for whoever's at safety. I, th- I, b- I believe they're going to go with um, with Brandon Joseph at, at the other at the other safety next to Jr. Pace. Um, we thought it would be Bryce Jackson, considering that he's had a little bit of experience playing on that defense, but they decided to go with Brandon Joseph. So I'm fascinated to see um, how Brandon Joseph will play in his first game replacing Travis Willock because Willock and Pace had a lot of good chemistry. They played really, really well last year.
3: And Sam Miller on the defensive line. I mean, he's this guy who came, you know, early enrollee and started immediately as a freshman with, with you know, freshman All-American according to ESPN USA today. He was a guy, especially with the graduation of Joe Gaziano and a couple other guys on that defensive line. He was going to really be sort of not only just the leader of that line, but also sort of the the number the number one guy, I- I'd say. And now you look at that defensive line; it's pretty much guys who have. You know, never been consistent starters, you know, at uh, a war who's going to start at one D defensive end. He started a few games last year due to injuries. And then Ernest Brown, who has been in my mind, great throughout his, his three years, but he's mostly been a pass rush, you know, defensive end. He's going to be asked to do all three downs this year. He's going to be asked to be the guy on the, on that defensive line. And I'm going to really be curious to see how he steps up in such a big role. Because he has a lot of talent. He's great athleticism. He he's made a lot of big plays. You know, one play sticks out to me. is 2018, you know, fumble recovery against Nebraska. He's the type of guy who's going gonna to be a game changer on the defensive line, just on the defense in general. But if he's going to end up getting more double teams, you know, even a couple of triple teams potentially with such a, a, a fresh and raw defensive line, it would be interesting to see how much of, of that impact is, is negated by just how other teams are going to scheme against him.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, Gaziano had nine sacks last year. He's gone now. And so, like you said, they're replacing a lot of production on the defensive line right now with guys who have shown potential but, you know, haven't really uh, done it consistently yet. What could be the sneaky, you know, the sneaky player, like the X factor that after the game, Maryland's going back and saying, we let blank beat us, Uh, Peter, then Andrew. Yeah, so
3: pretty much ever since I started covering the team last year and pretty much when I started going to the summer camps, Malik Washington, you know, a 5'9 wide receiver who was a freshman last year, sophomore now, you know, people were always raving about this, about this guy, pretty much saying, you know, he's going to be a great player, he's going to be an X factor, and he ended up not really, you know, showing as much as I would have thought last year, most as he did have an injury for a little bit, but also just the quarterback play was just so, so not good, he just probably didn't want to even have him see the field and lose confidence. But they expect him to really step up up this year, sort of like a, a secondary slot receiver. You know, I mentioned earlier we don't know wh- how many four wide sets there will be, but I'm, I would imagine he's going to opposite go opposite Riley Lee's in those in those four wide receiver slot generations with two guys in the slot. So I'd really look out for him to make some big plays on some crossing routes. You know, some of those short routes where they're going to try to, as, as Andrew said earlier, they're going to want to get the ball in the and to playmakers. And Malik Washington a guy who's going to be a playmaker at some point. And I think it's going to be sooner rather than
2: later. I think for me, I'm looking at the running back position. Obviously, Isaiah Bowser's projected to start. Um, that, that's that's no surprise. But I could see someone like Drake Anderson um, out the back. He was Northwestern's leading rusher last year um, with, with Isaiah Bowser out. Um, but I think in his third year, he could take another step. I mean, like, I mean he, he's, he's well-known in the Northwestern community. His dad was one of the greatest Russians in Northwestern history. I believe he's second all-time in rushing yards. Um, and I think that he could have, he could have a breakout game, um, as, 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 a, as a kind of change, change of pace back, um, Bowser's more of like a one cut back. Whereas you look at Anderson, Anderson's more of a speed back. I can see him out the backfield kind of making a difference, um, having breaking off some big runs when he, when he gets the ball in space. Um, so I would look for Drake Anderson to kind of have a, have a breakout game and, uh, it's kind of
0: surprise some people shifting to the defensive side of the ball, you know, I think just looking at Northwestern, how they played last year, it seems like the strength of this defense is the three linebackers that have been playing together. You've got Gallagher, you've got Bergen, and of course, Patty Fisher. Would you guys agree where you say that that's the strength of this defense? And how do you think that Pat Fitzgerald and his coaching staff are going to utilize those guys on Saturday, Andrew, then Peter?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think I think that they're they're the heart of the whole defense. They're what keeps the defense going. Over the past couple of years, there have been shifts in the secondary. There's been shifts in the defensive line, but they have been consistent, consistently there as long as they've been healthy. Um, the past the past two or three seasons, so um, they're absolutely the heart. I, I think they'll make a difference in, in, in down the stretch, um, especially with the new defensive line. I think they'll I think they'll help to fix um, maybe some some of the some of the miscommunications or things early on in the game. I think they they can cover. Um, up for some of the, some of the mistakes that might happen in the secondary, um, so I think they'll absolutely rely on them. The front seven has been a strength for Northwestern um, for a very long time. And I think it all starts with the linebackers.
3: Yeah, Andrew's right the money there. I mean, you look at three seniors, three guys who have you know started three or four years. Well, start three or four years by the end of the season. I mean, patty Fisher, a lot of people know. You know, freshman All-American, just a tackle machine. Blake Gallagher has had, you know, just as many tackles as Patty over the last two years. He's a guy who just sort of falls under the radar. You know, he's not as big. He's not as, you know, projectable as Patty, but he's he's a heck of a football player. And then Chris Bergen is the type of guy you want on every team you're around. Just a hard worker, you know, brings the energy, you know, brings the juice as the, as Alex Spanos and, and those people on the strength staff like to say, he's the type of guy you want to win games for. And, you know, you mentioned it, this, this linebacker core will be, the best unit on this team, as long as they stay healthy. I don't even think it's close. You know, you want to see, and you know Andrew mentioned, you know, the defensive line, you know, a little bit young, you know, you, we might talk about Brandon Joseph in, in the secondary, you know, especially so if they go some nickel packages, you're going to have to look at those guys to really step up and not just be leaders on, in, on defense, you know, on third down, but just leaders on the entire football team.
0: This is, you know, this is, I think this is going to be a pretty close game just because, you know, these are two teams that struggled last year and are coming with a little bit more promise, new quarterbacks. If Maryland is going to win this game, where do you think that they're going to, if you were talking to Coach Loxley and the staff, where would you be going and telling them to exploit this Northwestern team, Andrew, then Peter?
2: I would say um, the cornerbacks. I think the cornerbacks in Northwestern have always been a weak spot uh, in in, in the defense. Uh, I think that if there's anywhere to exploit, it would be the cornerbacks. Um, Greg Newsom is kind of the star of, is kind of the star of the, of the, 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 secondary. Um, but outside of that, like Northwestern has had Cam Ruiz, who's been, who's been consistent. They've had, they've had AJ Hampton who had a rough year last year, um, but could have a good year this year. But I think it's still always been the weak spot. I, I think r- running, running the ball has always been hard against Northwestern, regardless of how good or bad they've been. Um, and I think that if they want to exploit it anyway, it's going to have to be through, through the air. Andrew makes
3: a good point. I'll sort of go to the other side of the ball. I think when you're you're playing against Northwestern's offense, you really want to start off the game really well and sort of get a couple of stops, you know, negate some big plays, maybe even get a turnover. You look at the team last year, Northwestern's offense, and it struggled for a lot of reasons. But for one of them it was that they just never could really start a game well. I believe there was Purdue, they started well and they ended up losing, and then obviously UMass was, you know, a blowout, not even, you know, worth mentioning. Other than that, Northwestern really didn't, you know, get off the hot start in any of its, you know, important major games throughout the entire season. And so if you can sort of keep that going, you know, maybe in the first quarter, if they get zero or three points in the first quarter, I think that's a win for, for Maryland's defense. And if you can the second quarter, it'll be fascinating to see how Northwestern responds. Because last year, you know, they, they did not respond well to adversity. It was just sort of, you know, both sides of the ball struggled. And especially on offense, if they can't get anything going, suddenly memories of last season of, you know, level losses to Iowa, to Michigan State, to Nebraska, stuff where just no offense is going and they start feeling like that again. That's not going to be a good sign for Northwestern because then you're not, you're going to see them struggle. You're going to see them lose some confidence. So if I'm Maryland's defense, I'm making sure I'm fired out the gate that when 631 hits, they are ready to make some plays on defense.
0: Yeah. And especially, you know, if you get an early lead, they got a pass to come back and then you're maybe taking Northwestern out of their original game plan. You're making this guy Ramsey. He has to now do more than maybe he would like to start. And I I could see where that, ha- that could be like a cascading effect. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, at the end, obviously uh, let me ask you guys for predictions on the game, 630 uh, on the big 10 network.
3: So, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting game to watch. You know, obviously we haven't talked a lot about, about Maryland, but it's obviously a young team. It's going to be an interesting team to watch, and probably not as much film as Northwestern would like for its Week One opponent. But I think this Northwestern team is good. You know, I think last year really was an anomaly. I think you could really look at one position, quarterback, that had really just struggled with expectations. And I think if you get average quarterback play, that team is making a bowl game and probably doing a lot better than than people would have imagined. So I have Northwestern win this game. I'm going to have it by, by at least double digits i think also a big factor that should be discussed is the weather and the time right you mentioned six area on btn you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be warm it's been you know it's been we had a cold front here in Evanston the last couple of days i believe the high during the day is going to be in the 40s i up to the 50s you know especially if if by quarterback who's never played in cold in cold weather i'd be very very interested to see how this maryland team will react compared to it you know the northwestern team that has experience, it might not be the best experience, but to have experience playing in cold weather. So I think that's gonna be a real factor that I would be interested to see how Maryland responds to.
2: I think I'm gonna go with 2414. I think I think I'm gonna go with um go with Northwestern, but I think it's gonna be a lot closer than people think there's gonna be. I mean, I saw the, the opening line for this game was minus eleven. I, I was kind of shocked by that personally, but I think ultimately like um Maryland has two quarterbacks who are inexperienced, regardless. I I know, I know Taco Bell has a lot of talent, but he doesn't have the experience playing in games. Um, And 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 then I just think Lance LeJean, like he didn't show a lot last year um, in his short limited time. So I think Northwestern will take advantage of that, given the inexperienced quarterback. And I think they'll make enough plays on offense, um, spreading the ball around to to score enough points to win the game. So I'm going with 24-14.
0: All right. Thank you guys so much, Andrew and Peter, for joining us. Go check out their work at the Daily Northwestern. Do you guys want to plug your Twitters quickly? Yeah. I mean, follow me on Twitter at
2: Andrew C. Golden.
3: I am at the Peter Warren. All follows.
2: Truly appreciated. We'll we'll follow back. That's important.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it depends on me, too. It depends. If you're just like one name and then like 10 letters, then I'm not so sure I'm going to be following back. That's that's a pass. I'm at Varun Shunker. As always, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to on the WMUC sports feed. This is the Hail Maryland Podcast.